0: These people harm the Earth every single day with their needless consumption. Every single day they drink their plastic water bottles. Every single day they eat their factory farmed meat, which emits methane into the atmosphere, which causes permanent change to the climate. These people commit countless atrocities against the earth and future generations every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year. Count the sins.
1: As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. want to
0: SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, hello, hello. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting. Welcome to Rewind to Smackdown. Whether we are speaking to you Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, or September 14th, 2025. And we have just celebrated the big Houston astros uh late surge for the world series coming up next month i don't know what time frame you're listening to this but welcome to the show yeah i was wondering where where you're going with that i was wondering where i was going with
1: that hmm interesting i wonder how many people do that do people actually go back to listen to old reviews of raw and smackdown i think if it was like a retro you know timeless show uh, a classic show that i understand but going back to like listen to random SmackDown review from 2018?
0: I, I I, don't know. I don't know if there'd be interest in that. I wonder. It depends how significant this show will be in history. Like, maybe 10 years from now, Daniel Bryan is going to be a staunch Republican who is a right-wing nut, and people are going to, like, tell their children that, yeah, this maniac who's on InfoWars and all of this uh, all of these crazy programs talking about conspiracy theories and is adamant that climate change is a hoax He actually used to be like a super left-leaning socially conscious individual that used it as a heel act and the child is gonna say shut up. no seriously. Go back to the December fourth, two thousand and eighteen edition of SmackDown when Daniel Bryan cut a promo about methane gas. Well, I don't, I don't know how to find that episode of SmackDown. You don't need to find the episode of SmackDown. John and Way talked about it that night. Who are John and (laughs) Way? Two other idiots. And then they'll download the show and then they'll hear us talk and recap this Daniel Bryan promo from December the 4th, 2018. Or maybe one day, like Bertie Bryan or
1: Bertie Danielson will actually get arrested for going on a rampage kicking men in the groin.
0: Thousands of men. Yes. And her defense will be My father advocated for me to do this, I'm innocent. And I've got the the podcast to prove it because all of the WWE's digital files have been destroyed over time so that there's no evidence. Man, you've got quite the imagination tonight. I don't think I've got much of an imagination compared to Daniel Bryan in this current heel role. Yeah. So let's get into the show. There is much to discuss. Uh, We do have SmackDown to talk about. We have Mixed Match Challenge to chat about. We've got the Double Shot coming up later do you want to give a a sneak preview away what are you going to be discussing tonight on the double shot on the double shot this week we'll be talking
1: about the season eight finale of total divas and this is of course the episode that uh culminates with a lot of behind the scenes of uh money in the bank uh but but primarily i think most people might be interested in hearing a um um uh, a recap of basically the uh natalia natalia finding out the uh, about the death of her father jim the Animal neidhart which they cover in this show
0: can I get a, a sneak preview? Is there a B story going on? Like, is there some goofy story that they have to go back to to juxtapose like, well, a sad death?
1: Well, it's, it's very much self-contained, all the stuff between Natalia okay. and finding out about Jim. Because they actually... All that stuff occurred after filming had concluded. And I guess uh, they might have been in post-production or something. So that was largely contained into the final 10 minutes. Although, to my surprise, the rest of the episode... Is it like Jim Neidhart features heavily within it because um, I think in the original plans for the for this this season uh, they were dealing with Jim Neidhart's revelations of uh, having Alzheimer's, so that was heavily oh. featured. Uh, just not even having anything really to do with with you know ultimately finding out about his death like mere mere months later.
0: All right, well, say no more. The Double Shot will be up by the time you hear this for all of our members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. You can go download that now. I'm going to be reviewing this week's episode of Ring of Honor because we are just over a week away from Final Battle. So I checked out Ring of Honor this week, and I don't think I've reviewed that on the Double Shot. So I'm going to chat about that. And I don't know if Way has seen it, but I have. Episode 2 of The Edging Christian Show sp- featuring the potential... For the launch of the next WWE Studios hit, The Moonies. I've watched two-thirds of it,
1: and um, I would certainly have more faith in a Moonies than a Marine 7.
0: All right. Well, we're going to chat about that as well. That's all coming up on The Double Shot. But the big show is this coming Sunday night. It's going to be Sunday night at the movies with Post Wrestling with Brayden and Davey. Because they are going to be reviewing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers... On the site, is this correct way? Is have is my news accurate? That is completely accurate. Uh, according to uh, Brayden Harrington's
1: tweet, he and Davey will be recording this review sometime this weekend, probably Saturday. So we'll we'll have it up there on their own feed on the up next feed. Their second, actually, at this point, their third movie review, because they've done the first mm-hmm. two Halloween movies. So this will be their third review, their first time getting into Power Rangers territory. I'm very excited for this. There's, there's already a whole lot of feedback on the message board for it. So if you want to leave yours, get it in before the weekend.
0: Forum.postwrestling.com. Leave your feedback for Braden and Davey. We're, and we're,
1: chat. we're of course talking about the 90s Power Rangers movie, not the, not the recent remake, which was shit. I mean the one, the one in the '90s. I don't remember it being all that amazing either. But um, the, they're at least starting
0: with that one. Were you a fan? Well, I did watch Power Rangers, and I saw the movie that Braden and Davy are going to review. I'm pretty sure I saw that in the movie theater. So that's how yeah. much I was following Power Rangers at the time. Not a super fan of Power Rangers, but I followed it.
1: Yeah, I was a pretty big fan at the time myself. Um, but so, I mean, how old would those two have been? What what year was Brayden born?
0: Wouldn't Brayden have been like four? I think he was born in... He was born in like 1991 or something. He was very young. He's very young. Who's watching movies at four? How do you remember any of this stuff? Well... You know you can go back and watch things that... No, you can't. ...that preceded your birth. I've
1: never seen anything beyond 1990. Everything stops
0: at eighty uh, four for
1: you. In your, no, in I your mean,
0: I, historical okay. knowledge base.
1: I, I suppose so. I guess I just don't think about Power Rangers as like a thing where, um,
0: you know, not like this edition of SmackDown that I would ever go
1: back to rewatch.
0: You and I are the absolute worst people to say, why would you go back and watch that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, go check that out. Uh, All of our shows, uh, we have our schedule up on the site that you can go uh, check out in all of my uh, daily news updates. A few highlights this week. We will have the live cafe hangout Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you are a Double Double Ice Cap or Espresso member, you can join us live and even call in. And if not, you can catch it on YouTube the following day, youtube.com slash postwrestling. Just subscribe to the damn channel. That's all we're asking uh, you to do if you uh, are... Grabbing the show for free. And then Friday, we've got Rewind Away chatting SummerSlam 2013. We'll have a UFC 231 post show up late Saturday night. And then we're back Sunday afternoon with a cafe show with Way and I reviewing the final night of New Japan's World Tag League. Which I'm most intrigued to hear Kevin Kelly and Excalibur. I'm very much looking forward to that team on Sunday. They're, they're doing the final three nights of the mm-hmm. tournament. Thursday, Friday, and Sunday are the final three nights of the tournament. I think they're going to be, I mean, they're two great broadcasters. I think they're going to be great together.
1: Yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to catching up with New Japan after, uh, I, I largely really didn't follow much of this world Tag League. I caught one of the shows. But beyond that, like, I just want a bit of a sort of, you know, catch up before Wrestle Kingdom at the end of, uh, like, a month from, from today. A month from today is Wrestle Oh, Kingdom. that's right. Exactly.
0: Wow. One month from today, January 4th. Yeah. Let's go through a few news items from Tuesday. Monday Night Raw did 2,286,000 viewers. I don't know if this is officially their lowest of all time. It's definitely the lowest of, I would say, the last 20 years. I'm just not sure of all the numbers from like the early 90s when Raw was on. It's absolutely the lowest of the year. This is a horrendous number, and... What was most surprising is just how low the first hour is, which usually does okay. It does pretty well. But this week, it was just over 2.2 million viewers. Uh, It rose in the second hour and then fell back down in the third hour. Uh, So they were going up against Monday Night Football, but they go up against Monday Night Football every week. And this week's game, it did 11.2 million viewers. It wasn't the craziest Monday night football number either uh, to be doing, you know, your lowest of two decades worth of episodes of Monday night raw. I think way it's more indicative of just the, the, the general interest level in the show. I think it's very low. I think they're lacking tons of stars at the moment. And Ronda Rousey alone is not going to captivate people to uh, tune in and stick around for the whole show. Even if that's teased uh, for the third hour
1: yeah certainly i mean i think we're just noticing it even within our little circles just judging by you know our our poll yesterday as part of me by the way everybody uh we are having to resort uh, also to patreon again this week so you you again will find out how many of our patrons watched this edition of smackdown um but i i think you know there's been a lot of talk of like you know oh man what does fox think about these these ratings well what does usa think I mean, they're the ones paying up, a paying also a higher fee. You know, coming September of next year for this very same show that that that, you know, I think at one point they were promised very high ratings for. How do you think they might feel about all this?
0: I think that as long as Raw is still performing well against their competition on Monday, they're not going to react significantly to a couple bad weeks of numbers. If this was something pronounced that a year from now we're looking at. They're not even doing two million viewers. Maybe you are, you are going to get some some concern from the network. I mean, they're locked in though to this contract. Um, yep. I, I think it's it's ultimately just looking at these trends. Like they, they are going down. I mean, this is just comparing with a month ago, two months ago, where their viewership figures are. They're getting to very significant lows, and that's where you you throw out. Um, you know, a lot of the excuses that people come up with when they see numbers like this and it's, you know, everyone suddenly is a television ratings expert. Um But yeah, I, I think that USA Network, they part of the reason they paid so much for this is because this is a program that lifts their primetime average. So when it's going down, that's not doing them any favors. They They want this to be able to prop their primetime viewership up, and if this audience was to fall below their primetime average, I think that'd be very concerning for for USA. Do
1: you think we'll see much reaction uh, creatively from the WWE in response?
0: Uh, there was a time where, like clockwork, when they did a bad number, Vince would react significantly. And that hasn't happened in years. It's You see these alarming numbers and it's just status quo the following week. I can see that with... Roman Reigns out. I mean, Braun Strowman, it's probably a short-term thing. He should be back on the show, but Braun Strowman isn't turning the show around either. I can see a rush to want to get Hunter and Stephanie back on TV. Um, That could be, I mean, the thing is you don't have a ton of options either. It's not like you have this deep bench of characters that you can just throw on that are hopefully going to shake things up. Uh, You're kind of limited with what Your options are like what what would you suggest way like the hope is probably let's just get to january football's gone we should get a bit of a bump and then we're into wrestlemania season that hopefully this is just a december lull it just an all-time lull i suppose from my perspective i'm just simply looking at you know what
1: might make for a, a more entertaining program that might at least retain the people that have stuck around this long um and i i look at smackdown as you know uh, a probably a two-hour show that could afford to lose some of their top end guys some of their bigger star guys and i think that'd be a relatively easy transition to make just do some trades for whatever reason and at the very least i think raw would be injected with a bit more fresh talent and i think you're fresher matchups fresher feuds and hopefully an overall better show would that make a big difference in, in declining ratings? I mean, hard for me to say. Uh, I mean, it, it also maybe is an indicator of just how big of a draw Roman Reigns might have been, how big of a difference, difference maker he, he actually made to the ratings. Um, but I'm simply thinking about it in terms of entertainment value. The past two weeks have been very difficult. And I think, uh, you know, uh, just shaking up that roster in the middle of the season might not be the worst idea to, to freshen raw up.
0: Yeah, and I mean, going through the holiday season, I mean, those are numbers you don't really put a lot of emphasis on, but I mean, that Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve episodes, they're going to be taping them a few days prior, but I mean, those are going to be, I think, disastrous numbers, but they're also not anything I think you should put too much weight on either. Those are kind of throwaway shows those two weeks that they're going to be. It's just unfortunate for them that this year – New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and conversely, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day fall on Mondays and unfortunate Tuesdays. Unfortunate for them, unfortunate for us. Wow! Well, kidding me? Spoiler: We're not doing shows those nights. We are doing a, a different schedule those weeks because I am not spending Christmas Eve watching three hours of RAW. No, nor should our audience. We're actually—I uh, announced this
1: earlier on the postmortem—but uh, we'll be doing uh, Wednesday shows those weeks, recapping both RAW and SmackDown. Uh, so yes. in their place, we'll actually have other content.
0: Okay, a few other items here. Uh, We didn't get to this uh, the other night, but uh, Vince McMahon has sold 306,000 shares of his Class A common stock that he had converted. So those shares that he sold, 306,000 way, uh, translate to just under $23 million in value. And I did the math today because last December, everyone focused when Vince sold over 3.3 million shares of his stock. And those 3.3 million shares way last year were worth $96 million. If he sold that same amount today, they would have been worth $243.5 million. That's incredible. That's
1: now, what how much he, the
0: stock has gone up. Now, what if he sold a month ago? If he had sold a month ago... uh the big decline happened right at the beginning of November. It was that last week of September, first week of October. So it wouldn't have gone down to the degree it has certainly stabilized. But yeah, it would have been more.
1: Like if he sold at the peak of of of, of where the stock was trading at in the nineties.
0: Oh yeah, it was it was up to ninety six dollars. It's now trading at about seventy one. So it's had a big decline in October. But that's the game, right? It's it's
1: gambling. You never really know kind of when when to exit. But okay, so what does this mean? Vince is is looking for more more uh cash. Why?
0: Well, the the WWE is not commenting or they are not claiming to know what this is for. I think everyone assumes this is just more capital for the XFL that they uh, or the initial amount for the ninety-six million dollars was—I mean, it was straightforward. It was going to launch the Alpha Entertainment Group uh, with the XFL being its primary business. So I would assume that this money is more capital for the XFL, which is going to be announcing their teams on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I would—I would assume the same. I wouldn't really look into it that much deeper. I don't think this changes his involvement in. The WWE in any
0: way? Yes, and that press conference is tomorrow. And it looks like the teams. It looks like the XFL scooped themselves last week on their website that they'll be announcing teams for Dallas, Houston, L.A., New York, St. Louis, Seattle, and Toronto, and Tampa. no Toronto team, Washington D.C. So what's the closest here that we can go on a road trip to? Way eh? I guess Washington. That's a long drive.
1: Book it, man. New York. Yeah, New York might probably be the clue. Sorry, I didn't even pay
0: attention to all the teams you listed. but. Well, I don't think we're driving to doubt. Texas is going to have two teams. Well, they love football. That's It's not the worst idea, I guess, in in Texas. Uh, we will see um, as the XFL makes their announcement. I, I think that what everyone wants to know is what kind of television deal the XFL is going to get. And I do feel they're going to get one. I think that they're going to you know, being the appetite at the moment when you can see what Bellator can get for a streaming deal. I think there's definitely going to be people biting on the XFL just as something that let's let's just throw this against the wall and see if there's an audience for it. So uh, we will see. Uh This was an interesting news item, or at least it was interesting in how it was revealed. There's a documentary that's being developed on Kenny Omega uh, and Kota Abushi that's going to be airing on HBO in the new year. And the person who revealed this is a Toronto-based composer named Joseph Shabason, who was on the Creative Control podcast, which is not a wrestling-themed podcast either. It's, uh, anyway. Uh, but he just mentioned this documentary. Uh, I don't know if HBO wanted this out so early, but yes, it has been in development for a while. Um, Wayne and I actually know some of the people that are working on this uh but this will be coming out next year and yeah apparently airing on HBO which is a pretty big platform for Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi to be focused on and I know that these guys were following Kenny Omega around a lot they were at All In over uh Labor Day weekend in September so I'm sure this is going to be uh quite the behind the scenes look at a pretty intriguing time in, in wrestling that they were following Kenny Omega around as they're going through all these changes and and what we're gonna see in this documentary. It'll probably be probably tie into all the stuff that's going on as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean, I don't know about you, John. Like I knew this
1: was in production, but I didn't know that it was it was being produced for HBO. I had heard of of, of a different broadcaster. But um cool like yeah so knowing, knowing that hbo is, is going to be attached to it i mean i knew just kind of from you know who who was uh, involved in the production that this was going to be a very high level production anyway but i think uh when you think of like a brand like hbo you think of a certain standard of quality you know much like the andre doc uh much like their 30 for 30s which uh, i'm sure they have to live up to so i, I have no doubt this will be a, a top-notch production
0: Yes. And the final notes, uh, we talked about this last night, but they officially announced uh, tribute to the troops is going to be airing on Thursday, December 20th, a two-hour special on the USA Network at 9 p.m. They taped it today in Texas. Uh, so that's when that will be airing. And also on Monday, I had mentioned that uh, for TakeOver, people can go to TakeOver and then drive to New Jersey because in my head, I had thought that spring break was at midnight. It's actually not. It's airing at... I think the show starts at like 8 p.m. So Spring Break is going head-to-head with TakeOver. So it's not a case of you being able to go to one and then make it to the other. Um, it's, Joey also head- it's also
1: head-to-head with Joey Ryan's show too, isn't it?
0: Yes, yes. Which I, I can see that one being uh, a show that suffers from these two shows going on at the same time. Spring Break is sold out. So they have nothing to worry about. Uh, and TakeOver, I feel, will sell out as well. Um, and that's that's a large amount of wrestling fans – at the Barclays Center. And, I mean, spring break will be about 700 people. Uh, so we'll see how the how Joey Ryan's thing does as well. There may have been people that just bought tickets for that show when they got shut out of spring break, not knowing that TakeOver was going to end up being there that night. So, uh, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see if Joey Ryan's show still draws or if it kind of suffers from going against two relatively big shows on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, I really did enjoy actually, you know, as much as I think it was, um, if it was like a grueling, I would say to, to watch a uh, spring break so late last year, I think there was something special about it happening so late where everybody in the audience was in a daze and this battle Royal of randoms just wouldn't end. And there was something to me very special about that experience that, uh, I, I don't know, I'm a little disappointed that we won't get the exact same same uh, experience you know i I kind of wish that they would do do a midnight show, but maybe maybe it's just maybe there are too many complaints, maybe there are other regulations against it.
0: All right, let's get into Smackdown. This went down on Tuesday night from the Frank Irwin Center in Austin, Texas. Show began with the wonderful t l c set design with page in the ring for the contract signing. She said that SmackDown is the brand that makes history, and she has sanctioned the first women's TLC match. So Paige also a sanctioning body now in the WWE. She brought out Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Asuka. Crowd is chanting for Becky, who stated she makes history every week, and none of the weapons will compare to all of what she's been through just to get here, calling Asuka and Charlotte dopes. Charlotte says that she picked up the ball that Becky dropped at the Survivor Series, destroying Ronda with one kendo stick, and all it took for Nia was one punch to bust her face. I feel there's a quota now way that they've got to mention this Nia Jax punch on every episode of Raw and SmackDown. It's got to be made at least once.
1: Well, I mean clearly, you know, it's it's a a, a big program that they want to follow up on between Nia and Becky. Um, i'm wondering you know what show maybe you do that as soon as the rumble um but naya uh, as we know is like i think one of their big projects that they want to try to heat up and they're trying to use this
0: real injury for all it's worth i like the idea of keeping that as a post mania program there's no reason that you have to rush it because you have plenty lined up for for becky I know, but will it still be that
1: hot? Come on. Somebody busts your face. You're I think a- it's something you can go back to at at some point. I think they have to do it before mania. I think they have to do it on Becky's path to
0: mania. Perhaps. Uh then they go on and Charlotte and Becky are talking over one another. They're yelling at each other. And you know, it was kind of clunky, but To me, it was really refreshing for a WWE promo segment that you had this awkwardness, that you had two people arguing, and they weren't just one person has to get their lines out while the other one waits, and then the other one responds. This felt like a genuine argument, and it's rare that this happens in a WWE promo environment. So I actually like this. Well, in this instance, I felt it was
1: probably intentional so that Asuka could interrupt, you Mm -hmm. know, like I almost felt like on this on the rundown it probably said yell over each other and uh be
0: inaudible so that Asuka can, you know, step in and bring clarity. Yeah, Asuka tells them to both shut up. She says that Becky already beat Charlotte, and Becky has never beaten her. But as Charlotte pointed out, that MMA math really doesn't work out well for Asuka because Charlotte beat Asuka at WrestleMania, ending her streak. And then We got reminders of every combination of these women. Asuka says Charlotte got lucky one time. Becky says neither of you can beat Ronda or me. Signs the contract and then leaves as the crowd chants her name. Asuka starts yelling in Japanese. Charlotte said, I shattered your mystique at WrestleMania. Asuka says, I will break you right now. And before they can get into it, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville come out stating that Charlotte lost at Survivor Series, which wasn't much of a loss, and Sonya called it a fluke that Asuka won the Battle Royal last week. They referred to themselves as Fire and Desire, and Teddy Page booked a tag match. Fire and Desire? That's not their official name, is it? Well, it was one of those deals where they referred to themselves as that, and then the announcers repeated it, and that's always like a red flag for me of the WWE trying to get a new term or catchphrase over.
1: Okay, so Sonia's fire, Mandy's desire.
0: I right? guess so. Sure, but Becky's already straight fire. You already have fire. Uh, maybe she's um maybe she's a different element now. Uh, Earth. Earth? Wind? No, that's that's Daniel Bryan. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Uh, you know, Wind. I, I she got the yeah. wind knocked out of her by Naya.
1: Yeah. Heart. Like the Captain Planet <laughs> element. Anyway. Okay, well, I, I thought I thought the contract signing was good. I thought all three personalities came across pretty strongly. Um, in particular, I was actually quite impressed with Asuka here. Her stuff was simple and to the point. Her lines were, I thought, positioned well so that she, she really got to say a whole lot without saying a whole lot, if you know what I mean. Um... I thought they positioned her really well, and I thought they did a great job positioning every single combination of, of, of every feud. So much of this, I think, going into it was, you know, why is Asuka involved in this at all? How does she fit into this uh, Becky-Charlotte story? And they managed to remind us that, hey, like, at TLC, you are going to see a rematch of sorts between Charlotte and Asuka from Mania.
0: So I, I, I enjoyed this. I thought this was successful. They went to a break, came back. Shane was texting in his office, probably telling his wife, I don't know why I'm here tonight. The Miz entered to ask why he's hosting Miz TV with Daniel Bryan. Shane said, because you're funny. And Miz still wants to be a team with Shane McMahon. Riveting stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, this whole story between Miz trying to be partners with Shane, I uh, I don't think it's really taken off all that well. Um, and you can kind of look at it as... I really do wonder if, you know, how much of this story changed with uh, Daniel Bryan turning heel or Daniel Bryan, you know, becoming champion ahead of Survivor Series, because certainly, again, um, it makes no sense why Shane won the best in the world tournament. It makes no sense why anything with Shane McMahon has been happening. Um, And I would say overall, these two have kind of felt like they've taken a step back to Becky and Bryan as focal points of the show.
0: Charlotte and Oscar versus Sonia DeVille and Mandy Rose. Fire and desire. Charlotte got shoved into the middle turnbuckle by Mandy Rose and sold it by just standing up and then suplexing both women and followed with a pescado to the floor. Becky returned as they went through a commercial. They had the advantage on Oscar coming back. Rose hit her flying knee. Tag is made to Charlotte. Big chops. A spear to DeVille. And then Charlotte is struck by Mandy on the apron. She turns around. Asuka has since yanked. Uh, rose down and is standing in her place. So Charlotte sees Oscar, boots her, and then is uh, regretful that she just acted too quickly, nailing Oscar. Asuka. Asuka says, fuck this, came into the ring, nailed Charlotte, and she was rolled up by DeVille, who pinned Charlotte. And as Sonya noted, it was three years ago today she had her very first wrestling match, and here oh, wow. she is pinning Charlotte Flair. Well, good for her. That's really nice. Do you know who her, her, her first match was against? It's someone on the roster uh, Chelsea Green. Not a bad choice. Nia Jax. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Well, so,
1: congratulations. And it ended for with her.
0: Becky just holding her uh, title up ringside yeah
1: you know initially like i mean page announcing i i i, I kind of dreaded the idea of seeing charlotte and asuka team up that same old cliche right you know can these two get along uh when i thought they did a great job in the segment earlier just to kind of set that feud i mean typically when when this happens you risk diluting that rivalry by seeing these two work together but here i i admit i was pleasantly surprised with the result i thought you know, the match itself, I, I enjoyed, too. Like, it was some good, aggressive stuff, especially between Sonya and Asuka doing a lot of that kind of pseudo MMA stuff. And both Charlotte and Asuka got a chance to shine here. And I thought Sonya and Mandy both looked like they belonged. Neither of them really looked out of place. So um, I, I I thought successful on all fronts here.
0: John Stewart was shown in the audience. Uh, that's because he was part of the Tribute to the Troops taping earlier that day. And I guess he just wanted more wrestling. So he came tonight to watch the show. Three-way was next. Cesaro versus Xavier Woods versus Jay Uso. And they had Kofi Kingston and Big E on their commentary desk full with pancakes that they were tossing to the audience. The bar was standing on the floor while Jay and Xavier Woods fought. And we were asked about this on Monday. We got kind of a a mini fish out of water spot. It wasn't one of the high intensity versions, but they did it nonetheless. Jay came off the top, was caught with an uppercut from Cesaro as the two were, uh, Biggie and Kingston were, uh, recovering the pancakes that Cesaro had destroyed their, their desk and tossed all the pancakes onto the floor. Cesaro then delivered the Cesaro swing to Jay while he had Xavier Woods on his shoulders for an, a simultaneous airplane spin. Yeah, they call it an airplane swing. Very nice. And then he dumped Xavier, applied the sharpshooter, uh, but that was broken up. Ty- Jay the, Tyler in- Bates move, actually. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, just totally stole this. Uh, Jay delivered an Inseguri into Woods uh, for a schoolboy on Cesaro for a two-count. Woods is sent to the floor, and Jay superkicked Cesaro, pinned him, Jay Uso gets the win.
1: I thought this match was excellent. It really was, to me, a fantastic TV triple threat match between, I think... Three very underrated talents, in particular, I think Woods and Jay Uso, who both often don't get the rec- recognition, I think, due to their status as tag team wrestlers. But I thought both looked fantastic here. I wouldn't mind seeing this, you know, continued mix and matching of singles matches between uh, these three teams as they peak towards a triple threat match at, at TLC or whenever. Um, like we well, ten- have
0: one week, they could do the other partners next week.
1: Well, next week we they're doing the rap battle, aren't they?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. which could be
1: amazing or horrendous but you know i'm i, I guess in a way like that it kind of just speaks to me about how maybe underutilized the, the 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 tag team division has been this far thus far this year in smackdown where i feel like between you know your these seven guys here like in a different era there's enough talent amongst this crop to like be considered a, another smackdown six if you really wanted to you know, SmackDown Seven, I guess, in this case, where these guys could be just mixing it up in different combinations and delivering killer matches every single week. But um, I don't know. Maybe at this point, it, it's not. It, maybe it's a different era. Maybe you can't. You can't. Maybe people are already getting tired of this combination. But in a singles element, I, I really enjoyed this.
0: What if one of them pissed on the into the pancake mix? I mean, I think you say that for WrestleMania. You know? That's a big one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, don't give that away for TLC. That's a that's a mania angle right there. But yeah, fun three-way. Uh underrated uh part of this was the New Day dancing to the Usos theme as they walked down at the beginning. Kofi was really into it. Man, the rap battle next week. Um I mean we know the Usos. Why aren't that- they using Wale? Shouldn't he be hosting that just for historical sake? Yeah, if he's available. Yeah, I'm sure. Um but man, what else is he doing? He doesn't have Wally Mania to to prepare for. He should he shouldn't be making himself I mean, available for. He's next also week. a rapper. I'm I'm assuming he might tour,
1: or be writing songs. Um, but yeah, a rap battle next week. I think the Usos, With sorrow. Yeah, I know. With he's probably going to do it with his mouth card. Oh God, you're right. Yeah, they will do that. And Seamus rapping. I don't know if it was it's. It's hard for me to imagine both of those men rapping, but um,
0: there's a there's a lot that rhymes with shame that they can work in. I'm excited for this rap battle next week. Okay, in Las Vegas too, man. I'm ready for them to shock us.
1: Imagine if like just Seamus and Cesaro
0: both just come out with like, just like like killer bars. Yeah, what if what if uh, Seamus reveals that um. One of the Usos has a secret child that they didn't disclose to the public. Ooh. Could get very vicious. Yeah. The unspoken line that they could cross. Kayla Braxton is with Rusev and Lana. I probably watched no less than 10,000 of these backstage, uh, my guest at this time, interviews. So I have no idea why this struck me during this promo. But isn't it weird that they walk into the shot at the beginning? Like, could you imagine Megan O'Leary backstage and it's like, my guest at this time, Elias Theodoro, and he just pops into the shot with a big smile on his face because he's off camera for the introduction. Yeah, it's a bit odd. It's really weird. It's really weird if you apply this to... Any other form of sports or anything where you were imagine like uh, we now go to our correspondent for CP24. Hey, guys, I'm here with uh, with Officer Cam who joins me now. And then he walks into the shot with the big grin on his face. And then we hear cheers. I'm not exactly sure why they do it. In fact, I haven't. actually
1: I never even noticed it until you just brought it up. But um, maybe perhaps it's because they just want the single shot of the of the host. And maybe they, you know, they want to have a wide enough shot that you can't do it if they were standing close enough. So they have to walk in.
0: I mean, I guess in theory, when you break it down, like the walk in generates the pop. But I would argue that as soon as the person is on the screen, you would hope that the people would cheer them or boo them. Anyway,
1: I, Yeah, it's just it seems to me like a stylistic
0: Kevin Dunn thing. Rusev said that Shinsuke Nakamura attacked him last week because he's terrified of him. His biceps are bigger than Mount Fuji. He has traps like a double-decker taco supreme, and this has made him hungry, but not for yogurt or cheese, but for his United States title. Nakamura holds that title like a toy, but it's not a toy. It's about honor and courage, something Nakamura has none of. And he will feast on Nakamura, and it will happen on the greatest holiday, and then Rusev leaves us again, and he re-enters the shot, yelling, Rusev Day! Yeah. I really. All like- I could think about is that Lana is so expendable in this act. Um, this man just carried this. He was great.
1: I mean, this is, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not really an act anymore, is it? It's just, he's a single star. But... Lana did nothing. She just stood there. No, like, she's and it's interesting because like you know when they debuted of course like she was the voice of rusev rusev really didn't speak at all but now like rusev is the one kind of doing the talking for the both of them which uh is is kind of fascinating but you know they're still together um aiden though unfortunately I, I wonder what he's up to he might be having a uh i don't know he should be happy he's not on raw i guess or might maybe be- him and
0: rhino are gonna end up together yeah by the way did you hear anything about rhino I didn't ask. I, 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 I can try and find out though.
1: Okay. But yeah. I like this promo a lot from Rusev. To me, like, it was funny, like, legitimately funny. And I'm not talking about, like, Dean Ambrose smell promo type of, you know, uh, comedy. To me, this was, like, good comedy for a baby face at his level. Uh, did enough to, like, endear him. He's just, he's the big bear who loves to, who, who can only think about food. Uh, but he just, like, did enough to, like, make me like him without being completely ridiculous that I would write him off. He still got serious about his match. I thought this was a very good promo from Rusev.
0: Then we had a promo or a feature on Lars Sullivan about wreaking havoc no matter what brand he goes to. Miz TV began with Miz in the ring. He was quickly interrupted by R-Truth and Carmella coming out to do a dance break and then walk to the back. This one feels like it's starting to run its course for me
1: yeah i'll say so um yeah although like there's still a hit on the mixed match challenge so i guess it depends on the audience it's 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 very much i would say like kind of like in that new day territory where you know if you're into this type of comedy you'll really enjoy it uh but if not it could be very aggravating i i do feel like they maybe have to evolve it at some point
0: So Miz explains that Daniel Bryan seems more confident. He no longer looks at a virtuous win. There's either a winner or a loser. And he's there with Bryan in the ring stating that Bryan has finally realized Miz was right all these years. And then Bryan takes over. He says everyone thought the old Bryan was smart, but he allowed the people to subvert his dreams. He does not care about the people He doesn't have many intellectual peers to discuss these things that he thinks about, but he has his books. His books to consult the great minds of history, like Alexander Hamilton. And the fans are starting to chant, what? And he just shouts them down, screaming, fickle, fickle. And he says that the the crowd is reciting something stupid from 20 years ago, but they can't help themselves. Maybe the best shutdown of the what chant I can recall. Oh yeah, like very, very well thought out. Like you know, you're so simple minded, you can't help yourself but do this chant. Yeah, you peons. Yeah, way better than Hogan's. My favorite I, I, of all time. I will. I I will say so. <laughs> For those not aware, go go to February eighteenth, two thousand and two, the episode of Raw, and hulk hogan who was so proud of himself because he figured out a way to stop the what chant and spoiler he didn't can you just do it it for us
1: let me do the what okay what what you're gonna do what What you're gonna do
0: that was that was his grand plan (laughs) to shut it down to take the what and turn it into his own catchphrase and it fell so flat Anyway, Hulk yeah. Hogan. He was going to have a rough century to come. Brian goes on. He says that giving power to the mindless masses is dangerous for both the people and society. He calls them sheep. And then he goes back to the the, the words of wisdom from Alexander Hamilton, which Miz tried to take credit for. Brian, Miz says, would always dance in Never get to the point. Or sorry, this is what Brian said about Miz. That he never gets to the point. Brian says, I kicked AJ in the groin. One kick on one day. That's all I did. But these people, they harm the world every day with their needless consumption. They eat factory farmed food that sends methane gas out into the air, harming the climate. They drink from plastic bottles. All I did was kick one man in the groin on one day. Yet look at all your countless atrocities that are committed every day, every week, month, year. Count the sins. Miz says that he saw through him from the start, and he wants Brian to credit him for becoming champion. And Brian says yes, but then he says no. And he screams fickle again at the crowd. And this ends with AJ Styles coming out to go after Daniel Bryan. I knew this would happen, that Bryan was going to be so invigorated with this heel turn. <laughs> I love this. I thought he was awesome. Man, this was great. I don't know if that's a reaction I should have, but I thought he was great. And the crowd was not cheering this guy. So that why, was a win.
1: Why shouldn't you have that reaction? Oh, you mean like that you would like them?
0: I mean... I think that he's so entertaining, and that's yeah. a, that's my concern for this long term is that the guy's going to be such an entertaining heel that people are not going to be able to help but get behind him and, and cheer for him. But that was not the case with this crowd, and this was not all that different in the mindset of this, the Dean Ambrose promo, but to me, wildly different results.
1: Yeah, I think if you if you have a choice between the two, you know, a heel like on the level of a Baron Corbin – or a heel on the the level of a Dan O'Brien who I think we all like to watch even though he is supposed to be a heel I think there's no question you know for for entertainment value you would pick this guy this was great man I think it took a few weeks to get there but I think Brian really began to hit his stride here as his unique heel voice and you can tell how much this man thinks about You know, his, his whole package, the whole, the entire character of it, just, just going from like the way he looks, uh, you know, he comes out here, he's no longer wearing any of his merchandise. His hair is kind of like more of a droopier, wetter, uh, look. And he comes out like very lackadaisical. Like I would like, like, like he looks like Kurt Cobain basically, but I would say like a Kurt Cobain who, you know, was a lot more smug and intellectual, uh, about his beliefs, And I think him debuting this character is a perfect fit for him. It's very believable. I also noticed like a tinge of like, you know, Mick Foley in there and that like, he almost kind of has that like deranged disheveled look, but he'll also break into like a serious anger um, rant unexpectedly. And he's like added that to his repertoire as well. Like he'll get angry screaming about his water bottles and, you know, just pushing his green agenda. Um, and he'll do it in such a way that, like, really makes you pay attention and is really entertaining to watch. So I I love this entire thing. I really look forward to seeing more.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. The screaming took what could have been received as almost comedic lines. The delivery was very important. The way he screamed at the fans that I, I think helped make this work that much more.
1: Yeah. Are you familiar with the uh, Cannibal Burris, the comedian? Yes, Hannibal Burrs kind of does something similar well he'll like do the like he'll he'll be very kind of subdued like for most of his act, but then like when he gets going, he'll like start ramping up and he'll start talking faster and faster and faster and faster and I'm not saying Brian took anything from Hannibal Burrs, but I'm saying his promo style is somewhat similar where he'll be very kind of monotone and almost like lackadaisical for the most part, but then when he gets really angry about water bottles or
0: something, he'll get into like super aggressive mode yeah i mean by the end of this it just seems brian is probably having so much fun doing this character he's certainly like incredibly creative with it right now and you know
1: like we we kind of like shit on the bad stuff that we see from this company and we always credit it to the writers who knows who who's working with brian here and if there are there are writers
0: helping him out here i'd like to give them credit as well absolutely i thought that this was a really well structured promo it worked it got the desired reaction and you got people booing Daniel Bryan, I think. And it's not like you had this super over babyface to play off of. You had The Miz in there that, to me, is one of the most um, – like, his character, I don't know what it is at the moment. Um, mm. But nonetheless, um, I, I thought this was a really great segment. And whoever put this promo together, if it was Bryan's involvement, whoever it was – really well done i thought and the delivery i thought was very good as well
1: i sense for for the Miz right now he's kind of playing more of like you know the jester in the company where like he's not really kind of your top heel buying for the championship he's more so the annoying kind of like uh, you know somewhat baby-faced guy that you kind of like that you know because he's such a a jerk uh but at the same time it's like you know he's still a dick like he's still somebody that you know is is an asshole
0: yeah yeah i think that they like they kind of danced around this like turn for him but instead it's uh,
1: i don't I know it just seems to... still turning i mean i think he's he's still effectively like somewhat of a baby face it was just like here in this segment i mean he hasn't
0: completely turned yet but i certainly feel like he's still on his way right um, you know, I saw this before SmackDown tonight, but have you seen uh, the guidelines that PETA issued for helping people to uh, remove certain animal terms from everyday sayings? That God, I I think would be Brian has to start using these. I think they'd be so great. These are some of them. Okay, I've just got them in front of me. They are, and I, I don't. I, I think PETA puts this stuff out and they they hope to get ridiculous reactions from people. But anyway, instead of saying kill two birds with one stone, they want you to say feed two birds with one scone. Instead of uh, <laughs> beat a dead horse, feed a fed horse. And instead of saying bringing home the bacon, bring home the bagels. <laughs> huh. So that we can be, be more... Uh, Conscious of vegans out there that are angry. Do if you, you say that do you, you bring honestly home the bacon? Well, well, like when you see something like this, do you think it's it's
1: PETA trolling, or do you honestly th- believe somebody there believes that this is what we should be saying instead?
0: uh I, I'm sure that there are people that believe that these are uh, absolutely necessities to change the world by changing the way we talk about bacon. Uh, but I think they also understand that. This is going to get so much coverage because it's such a ridiculous story that it's going to get covered on every news outlet because of the ridiculousness of it. That's part of the appeal, but they probably look at that. We are getting this message out, and it's so over the top that no talk radio host is going to be able to avoid this topic because it's such an easy one. Listen, I think the best heels
1: right now in the world are all on Twitter. You know, if you want to see the best trolls in the world, and it's nice to see Brian, lift something that I feel like is a lot more relevant um, to today's society in a character like this than, you know, much of the recycled pro wrestling heel work we've seen from many other people over the years. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this character. And I think this list is like a perfect example of something he could do.
0: (laughs) You know, between the two, the gas mask fits him way better to come out. Look what you people have done to my world. I can't Yeah, the even methane. Yeah, the oh, my God. Brings out Bertie with a gas mask. He won't subject uh, her to the methane gas that absolutely. These, these Neanderthals have put out there from their plastic waste. Oh, my goodness. That's great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that needs to be his character.
1: That That'd be great. awesome. But look at the difference, though. You know, two men who have recently turned heel, and I think you can look at Dean Ambrose as, you know, the one who who really should have the advantage here. He's the one with the longer story that they've told that, uh, you know, like even having the Roman Reigns thing to to come off of, he should have had every advantage to to just have his turn not fail at all. Yet I think it's Brian that completely, you know, is is doing a whole lot more with, with a lot less.
0: Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton was next. Orton cut a insert promo calling Hardy a cockroach emerging from underneath the floorboard, and Orton is going to have to stomp him one last time. A cockroach. Orton was clotheslined to the floor. Peter would want to change that too. Oh boy, yes. (laughs) Uh, He's dropped onto the desk by Hardy. They go through a a commercial break. Orton's in control. Lots of delete chance that Jeff Hardy was leading. Orton caught him with a draping DDT, set up for the RKO. It's blocked. Twist of Fate is blocked. And then Orton gets stopped on the turnbuckle. Hardy hits the Twist of Fate. And then Orton rolls to the floor. They fight some more. And Orton is set up onto the announcer's desk. Jeff Hardy climbs to the top turnbuckle. And there was not a prayer that this man could make this jump. I think everyone knew that there was some kind of distraction coming. And it was on the screen by Samoa Joe, who had taken over a local bar... And this distraction via the bar, not the tag team, allowed Jeff Hardy to get hit with the RKO and Randy Orton pinned him. Joe continues on the screen. He gave a PSA about excess and that moderation is key. And it's okay to have a few drinks and a good time. Or you could go out and drink 14 and end up in jail. And he gave the message to drink responsibly and... He put up his beer to wish Jeff cheers. Was the fourteen in particular like in reference to any
1: Jeff Hardy story from the past? Like the number of I drinks? I don't know
0: if I don't know if that number is uh, relevant to Jeff Hardy. Uh, made
1: because last week Joe made a reference to champagne and anyway, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. Because uh, how deep-cutting, c- you know, he actually went for some of this stuff.
0: Well, the thing is, okay, I'm I'm actually looking at the story here from this past March where, yeah, it was just that he had a 0.25 blood alcohol level after submitting a breath test. Hmm. So, I mean, Jeff Hardy has had, like, I guess obviously here, this was like a yep. drinking-related uh, offense back in March. But when you think of Jeff Hardy's problems, I mean— I don't feel they want to do an angle that's based around Jeez. pill use and yeah. hard drugs. I think alcohol is probably all they want. They are comfortable doing, uh, but when you think of like Jeff Hardy's demons, as they always refer to them as, it, yeah. it goes a lot deeper than alcohol. No, I don't think we'll be getting
1: a, a, a Samoa Joe appearing at the pharmacy. Um, you know, counting somas uh, anytime soon. I think they they're probably looking to at least tone it down to to this level, which I, I I I, mean I would say maybe like two years ago I wouldn't even expect them to to hit at this, as hard, um, you know, as far as like to you know did it cross the line, to me not yet, but I think they're they're inching closer to it, um, largely I think, it it's dependent on how Jeff Hardy retaliates against Samoa Joe. I mean, I, I understand if the story here is to tell the story of a man's personal struggles and how he advances beyond those struggles, but Jeff Hardy really needs a good comeback where he has to answer for his addic- addictions to this audience. Like, and, and that's just not in the form of you know beating Samoa Joe in a match. He needs to talk about his addictions, I think, in an open and honest way to this audience so that he can get this they audience sh- on his side. They should
0: do one of those sit-down interviews because I'm sure that there are fans that don't know this stuff or at least don't know... Details of it. Maybe they've heard uh, rumors over the years, but I I think that would establish the story a bit more to do one of those sit downs where Jeff talks about that. This was he has gone through many struggles in his life that he still battles with. And now Joe is bringing that to my escape, which is my workplace, Mm -hmm. uh, bringing these problems to me. At my place of business, and yes, it's a struggle for me every day just to do that kind of, well, uh, you know. And this and all pro, this storyline started last week, so you can do that anytime. Yeah. But all
1: that stuff is already out there. You know that um, what is it? Was a Chronicle? What was the thing that they did recently? The Jeff. Yeah, Harding they.
0: Thing. Yeah, they did that network special on it, the on them. But I think to do it on SmackDown kind of just streamlines it a bit more. Yeah. What the story is and the background, and it adds context to it to be from Jeff Hardy's words on the show. Mm-hmm. So, I think you do need to do that. Yeah, cuz I
1: think if you just simply continue to have Joe here making fun of Jeff's addictions and then Jeff continuing continuing to not say anything about it and just going after Joe with punches, I don't think you're really successfully telling the story, you know? To me at that point, it would just feel simply exploitative and like somebody just, you know, picking on a, a personal issue to make fun of to get heat. I think in order to tell a full story, you have to hear from Jeff. You have to hear, you know, what he has to say about all this.
0: Next week, they announced The Bar and The Usos having a rap battle hosted by The New Day and a rematch from WrestleMania, Oscar versus Charlotte Flair from Las Vegas. Yeah. Kayla interviews Daniel Bryan. He says the new Daniel Bryan doesn't run and everything he does is with a purpose. And he's going out to do commentary for the main event. And I was excited by this. AJ Styles versus The Miz. The most annoying part of this main event. I don't know if uh, you felt the same. Was Corey Graves. Because he hit on this. Like hes he got so excited about this new
1: Daniel Bryan character. That he wanted to kind of like jump on. He just wanted to. The G- GMO stuff.
0: Well, he, yeah. he just like threw out all these topics to Brian, and Brian clearly didn't want to mm-hmm. um, no. go this direction. I think he just wanted to call the match and work in his character, and yeah. Graves was just so obnoxious during yeah. this.
1: Well, I would say, like, as well, we don't know how much of it is Graves. We don't know how much of it is Vince either, right? But let, let's just assume that, you know, well, I'm just talking about the character of Corey Graves talking about it. It seemed like Graves was very personally... Uh, excited by this new daniel bryan character that he felt but like in particular in like the more comedic elements of the promo like stuff like the water bottles stuff like complaining about gmo um even brian didn't even do that but like you know that's just something like graves out himself and him wanting to like almost kind of turn Bryan's interview into more of a comedic interview and brian like kind of deflecting it and wanting to continue to be serious about this, to focus on the match, to focus on the feud.
0: So the match begins. Uh, (laughs) This part was so great. Tom Phillips starts reading tweets from sad fans about Daniel Bryan, one of them stating they no longer believe that dreams can come true. And there's a pause, and Daniel Bryan responds... Those people are idiots. (laughs) I laughed out loud at this. His response was great. He is asked about what would Birdie think? And he says, I hope my daughter kicks thousands of men in the groin that drink from plastic bottles. And he starts yelling at Byron Saxton for eating chicken. He should be ashamed of himself. Brian was great here. Yes,
1: very entertaining. Went through a break. He's a, like, he's as sharp as ever on the microphone. I mean, we already know how great he is as a baby face on commentary, whether if it's, you know, doing actual color or playing the role of a GM for SmackDown. But I mean, I, I don't think it's any surprise that he's just as good, just as witty, just as sharp as a heel.
0: Yeah. Graves continues to go on. He's asking about one of his friends that drives a giant SUV and drinks from a water bottle that he doesn't finish from. What do you think about that, Daniel? What do you think about this? Oh, styles goes to the floor he stares down brian who offers his hand miz attacks aj from behind sends him into the steps hits the skull crushing finale in the ring gets a two count and then brian grabs styles from the floor and is fought off uh, styles gets back in applies the calf crusher and taps out the miz in 13 minutes after the match brian chop blocks styles knee and starts attacking him Applies a heel hook, hits him with a head kick, repeated stomps. He gets Greg Hamilton, refer to him as the new Daniel Bryan, poses on the desk with his title, calls the fans fickle, and then the show ends with him reapplying the heel hook as AJ is yelling for the officials to get Bryan off of him. Yeah, he tried
1: to get the heel hook over as a babyface, and I don't think it managed to, and I feel like at some point they gave up on it. I think he'll find a lot more success with that move as a heel um, I think it's a good replacement for the Yes Lock, which I don't see him doing uh, for, you know, uh, for a while, at least not as a, a, a main finisher. Um, but I think the heel hook's great. Um, the match was almost like I couldn't really pay attention even to, to it that much because I my all my attention was really put on Brian and his new character.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was the major focus of the match. I thought I agree with you. I thought the Brian kind of overshadowed the the main event, um, but that is also the new character that you're trying to get across. And I think overall that, that was kind of your, your necessary uh, priority on this show was Daniel Bryan. So what's AJ's comeback?
1: Like, is he just going to defend water bottle drinking and, um, process sugars? Uh, and, uh,
0: maybe he'll just come out in a fur jacket. Be like bacon. Listen, Brian, I don't know why you're worried about this earth. It's flat.
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs)
0: oh god the flat earther versus the climate change (laughs) listen this (laughs) is the wrestling we
1: need in 2018
0: yeah the heel is the one concerned about climate change the baby face is the flat earther (laughs) well the point is they're both extreme
1: i mean okay brian is an extremist you know whether or not like you that's the character he's playing whether or not you agree with with you know the base arguments of what he he's he's arguing he's dialing up whatever he believes to attend in a heelish manner. So you have to dislike him no matter what you believe.
0: You have the ability to put together an awesome Christmas day episode of Smackdown with Brian. Okay. Please tell me who is offended by the term Merry Christmas, who is disgusted at all of the commercialization of this holiday
1: yeah, they I mean he, he could he could just it. be great. <laughs> you know, I think I I I sense that Brian himself probably would want to get overly political with like the character even though I think it, the character is completely ripe for for that, but something tells me that he's going to just stick with like this kind of embri- environmental stuff and not necessarily like get into, you know, gender norms or anything like that.
0: I mean, you don't have to go far with it, but I think that there are topics that this character can lend himself to that is just easy heat with the audience yeah with brian's delivery of it that it can at least work it'll be Uh, fascinating to see where it goes because i think you have a lot more latitude with daniel Bryan because people know what this guy's genuine interests are what it like this is not a I'm trying to think of another babyface. Like Dolph Ziggler coming out and doing this would not have any kind of uh it would not resonate at all with the audience. But people know that Daniel Bryan is legitimately an environmentally conscious conscious individual. That it people believe that this guy deep down does have these beliefs. Mm-hmm. At one point is Bree gonna come back
1: and, and what's Bree's role now? Because Bree is also a heel. Um, what can she do?
0: Well, she's got to be a hippie as well. I, th- I feel,
1: yeah, interesting. Okay,
0: I feel Vince must just love this. Like, oh ah, yeah,
1: for sure. Like these Brian...
0: goddamn tree huggers—they're the worst. Well, yeah, everyone I... hates them.
1: Yeah, I and I, I it's it's quite brilliant in, in in that sense. You know, like I think Brian, as a baby face, was somebody that Vince McMahon really just—I don't see him understanding at all but Brian as the environmental environmentally uh, obnoxious heel I feel like that's right up Vince's alley so hopefully Vince is completely on board with this
0: That was smackdown it was the Daniel Bryan show and that wasn't a bad thing um I like the show overall um
1: I, I like the show uh, too yeah Yeah
0: I think you've got a really fun character in in Daniel Bryan at the moment um good matches and, i thought and to be honest like you take him out of it like you're th- this heel side of smackdown like beyond randy orton i guess you have samoa joe as well it's not as mm-hmm. dire as maybe in my head i have it but um i, I think that is where the complaints can come about Brian is that was the he's a super entertaining heel but is his best use as a top babyface i think most would say that this guy should be like a gigantic babyface but he wasn't a month ago. Well, listen, so. it's
1: it's the same story that we're seeing with all their heels, right? Or turn baby faces. This is the only way they know how to build baby faces. Is to turn them heels, give them an edge, and then eventually the crowd will turn them baby face.
0: So yeah, this guy will be a baby face by the rumble. I feel.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Whether he wants wants it or not. Um, But, you know, I thought the matches were good, too. The three-way between the tag teams uh, was really good. Um, I thought the women's tag team match was good. And uh, what else was there? Some good promos. Definitely, I think, an enjoyable edition of SmackDown. Uh, Do you want to quickly go through the Mixed Match Challenge before we get to feedback? Take us through it, way. All right, so this is the third-to-last episode of the Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, This is, I believe... The second half of the quarterfinals and uh today we have the fabulous truth taking on the new pairing of jeff hardy and charlotte because aj styles is so distraught from his title loss that he had to exit this team uh so i kind of caught in caught onto this late as i was catching up on the smackdown but I, when i started watching i was just about to watch the dance break and this dance break from fabulous truth unfortunately only lasted seven seconds so Really tightening up the uh, silliness here uh, in in this latter half of the Mixed Match Challenge. Um, I think it's worth noting, too, that viewership this week was back up to 40K right off the bat. I'm not really exactly sure what accounts for the huge difference. Like, the past two weeks, I've been looking at like 15,000. And all of a sudden, like, where did these 25,000 people come from? I'm not exactly sure. Um,
0: It's insane how low this is.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe the maybe Truth and Carmella are the, are the hook. Who knows? Because this crowd really likes them. Um, Jeff and Jeff Hardy and Charlotte are both doing double duty tonight. Both had just wrestled matches earlier in the show, and on some parts, I I mean, I don't think that's really fair at all. You know, Truth and Carmella just came out and did it like a Miz TV thing. Anyway, um, not much of a match here. Very straightforward. Uh, as Hardy is about to swanton R-Truth, Carmella dives in and jumps on top of Truth to protect him. Charlotte pulls Carmella away. Hardy completes the swanton, but Truth manages to move away in time, and then he hits the roll-up, and R-Truth pins Jeff Hardy, which I think might have been a surprise. Our
0: truth pins Jeff Hardy, wow.
1: Yeah, which might have been a surprise to a lot of people. But well, you- I
0: feel you, you've got to now get rid of all the the people with big matches at TLC. So I, th- I think that's kind of expected, that you had to get rid of Hardy and, and Charlotte.
1: Yeah, perhaps it's that. But, I mean, it could also be that R-Truth and Carmella might might be a better fit for this Facebook audience. Um, but, yeah, there's probably something to what you're saying as well. Um,
0: they have the best chance of having entertaining vignettes on this vacation.
1: Mm, right, that's right. We go to Mahalisha... Backstage and speaking of vacations, they debate whether or not they would invite the Sing Brothers to their beach vacation when they win. So Team B and B also talk. They're facing mahalisha next week, and ba- Ballard does a Shanti impression before saying it'll be too sweet. Um, Kayla is backstage with the Fabulous Truth, and our Truth says he really wants to go to Memphis, Memphis, Egypt.
0: I didn't know that existed. I didn't know now either. I, now I do.
1: Asuka and Miz take on Jimmy Uso and Naomi in our second quarterfinal, our last quarterfinal match. And um, the Miz the Miz, at some point refuses to tag Asuka in. They start arguing, and Miz says he no longer trusts Asuka because they actually lost last week. He blames the loss on her. Um, both women finally tag in. Naomi hits her springboard in Zaguri for two Miz breaks that cover, and then we get the rear view from Naomi for two. Asuka rolls through for two, and then Asuka lands the Asuka lock on, on Naomi to tap her out for the win. So Asuka and Miz advance, and at this point, the viewership jumps up and peaks at about 52K. So semifinals
0: next week, and then the finals. Two more weeks of this. Exciting. We're getting down to the final stretch of the mixed match challenge. Yeah, sorry, it's
1: not even two more weeks, because the main event is uh, at TLC, right? Yes, yes, so we yes. have, next week
0: is the last episode on Tuesday. Yes, yes, of course, yes. All right, before we go to feedback, this is what you get if you if you listen deep into the show, Rhino Story is a storyline. Okay, so he's not retired. He is not retired. Thanks for that, Scoop. I believe he's going to be on their, their tour. They're going down to uh, Chile and Argentina this week. And I believe Mike Johnson had a thing that he's supposed to be on those shows this week anyway. But I just heard now that it's a storyline and eventually i will be back on. I think I'm even
1: just more surprised at the idea that Rhino is even getting a storyline.
0: Well, I think it's more so it's it's kind of like what i said on monday that it's it's more so just getting heat on baron corbin and it's just building up all this stuff that he's doing and it's all going to be uh, at some point reversed
1: but if rhino oh okay so rhino will be back
0: as if i guess the audience would be really happy about it i guess the man's lost his job aren't you gonna be happy that he gets it back yeah, sure. Presumably. Yeah, I, I would love for him to continue to sit
1: back there, backstage every single week.
0: All right, let's get into feedback. Uh, once again, we had to revert to uh, Patreon, uh, so I hope we don't get, like, the lowest SmackDown number ever coming out on Wednesday. Uh, What do you mean? Well, last week, our forum went down, and it correlated with Raw tanking.
1: Oh, so it, okay.
0: I, I think our forum going down, maybe that's indicative of...
1: It could be. It could be the postmaster is going to get to the bottom of it. Uh like it's kind of strange in that like we can make threads pretty much any time of day except for this kind of awkward period like right after Raw and SmackDown. So I don't know who's what's happening right now, but at least we have Patreon to re- uh, resort to.
0: All right. Uh we go now to uh the poll. What did you think of tonight's episode of SmackDown? We have sorry okay let me let me get to it so i'm trying to load this you go ahead all
1: right so very different results from monday i'll say first of all um 31 okay you know how i don't even know how to do this okay 22 percent of you thought raw sorry thought smackdown was a thumbs up show 15 thought it was a thumbs in the middle show and only three percent of you thought this was a thumbs down show 30... I think this is this is number of votes, not percentage. Oh, I'm sorry. Really? Yep. Okay, never mind then. So whatever, no percentage.
0: And thirty-one it, this is so it... weird, way because the poll the night before had percentages, and this one doesn't. Yeah, that's strange. Are we sure that's this a...
1: doesn't add up? Yeah, thirty-one
0: plus twenty-two plus fifteen plus three does not equal one hundred. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh... <laughs> well unofficially
1: uh, I can get you percentages no whatever I don't give a shit anymore 31 of you didn't watch out of 71 didn't watch 22 of you thought it was a thumbs up show 15 thought it was a thumbs in the middle show and 3 of you thought it was a thumbs down show so definitely more of a mixed bag Uh, most of you voted voting did watch so okay Let's let's move on. <laughs> let's go to the feedback. What do we? What, what kind of? We're not scientists here.
0: No, we're not. Uh, Brian Brandon from Adelaide. With how atrocious Raw is, my views on SmackDown will generally be positively skewed. But I found nothing much worth worth complaining about. It was an easy watch. The more simplistic, solid booking really stands out. Asuka came off very well in the opening segment and Charlotte playing a more distinct heel helped. I'm enjoying the build and I hope they give the belt to Oscar. only if it leads to bigger and better things for Becky. Sonya is also starting to impress me. She has great potential and I hope she's utilized more strongly in 2019. Joe and Hardy is progressing nicely as well. The new Daniel Bryan is entertaining. You can tell he really wanted this and he is delivering in spades. My only qualm is that that I wish Andrade would be featured more prominently. 7 fickle fans out of 10. Well, maybe the Lucha House party needs another member. Yeah, I mean 3 on 1 is not that daunting, but yeah. 4. Yeah. What do you think of uh the Bucks and
1: Revival tweeting at each other? I think they're just having fun with one another. Yeah. Okay, we go to Brandon, who says, There's nothing to say about the product right now, it's just stale. I really just wanted to say that I can't believe John didn't come up with walnuts for Alicia Fox and Walter's team. (laughs) Walnuts. (laughs) On a side note, is there anywhere that Brandon can find your UFC predictions?
0: Nope. Uh, I don't really put out predictions anymore. I'm not a big fan of doing the predictions, to be quite honest with you, Brandon. But Maybe once a year. Jay from Colorado, SmackDown wasn't a bad show necessarily, but it's becoming the hangover after absolute trash episodes of Raw, and that's making it increasingly more difficult to sit through each week. I can't imagine anyone sitting through five hours of this between Raw and SmackDown on Tuesday for fun. Wrestling fatigue is hitting hard, and it's not even Mania season yet. Any idea when the Revival's contract is up? There is an interesting exchange. Yes, that we just went over. I, I don't know when the Revival's deals are up. I'm not sure. Jermaine from Chicago. I really enjoy SmackDown. Such a different feel to the Charlotte,
1: Asuka, and Becky segment compared to that Sasha, Alexa, Bailey segment. Mandy Rose is really underrated in ring. She has that WWE look, but is a better athlete in ring. Is a better athlete in ring than women like Carmella and Alexa. She will go far in the WWE. Daniel Bryan is a brilliant performer who really thinks about getting the crowd to boo him. He made people feel guilty for polluting the environment. Did he? I don't know if he made people feel guilty about it.
0: I'm sure everyone left that building really thinking twice about that bottled water they brought. I think he
1: made people feel better about polluting the environment. Last thing, I think Rusev is so undervalued he can do anything that you ask a WWE performer to do. And he's just a really likable dude. Quick question, John. On a scale of 2% to 5%, how much does Raw miss having Roman?
0: I'd say a lot more than that. I don't... I th- I think that that is really hurt by not having Roman Reigns on and I think that's been pretty evident by whether you're just looking at the quality of the show and the viewership of the show. I think Roman being gone has hurt it.
1: Wouldn't I don't know what
0: kind of I don't know what kind of a scale of 2 to 5% means. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh that's getting, you know, uh pretty specific. <laughs> Uh, Andrew from Cape Breton, I definitely enjoyed this show, and I don't think it's because I'm comparing it to Raw. Usually when you put the word new in front of anything, it's designed to be to die a death. However, the new Rockers, new Foundation, and new Brood have nothing on the new Daniel Bryan. He's like a cross between Nick Bockwinkle and Juice Robinson's old CJ Parker gimmick. The only issue is the fact that we live in this weird era of heels and babyfaces that I expect Bryan to be quickly turned back because of how good he is. The only real negative on the show tonight was that SmackDown seems to have... Resigned itself to the fact that they are the inferior show with still no follow-up to Survivor Series. Despite all the great talent and angles, it still has a worse roster than the one with Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal, and their infamous head-and-arm chokes based on Survivor Series. I give this show six responsibly consumed alcoholic beverages out of ten. I mean, I'm not Jeff Hardy, so six is good enough. Hmm. Yep, still waiting on that follow up from uh, Survivor Series, which maybe Shane's just deep in thought. He's not yeah. sure how to react yet. He's um, maybe he's just uh, trying to uh, put it to the dark recesses of his mind, and it's going to come out violently in a fit of rage. Okay, v- finally we go to Joe
1: from John from Detroit, who says, "I just want to give a personal thank you to John Way." <laughs> uh, okay. He says, uh, the, the, "Oh, he just wants to thank us for continuing to watch these shows." Well, you're more than welcome, John from Detroit. You don't have to thank us for this.
0: Yeah, I always enjoy when there's a bad episode and we get like wellness checks the next day from people. Yeah. No, we're fine. Everybody, don't you? <laughs> it is All right, so well,
1: weird. Last last night's like so strange.
0: Oh, you're really thrown by these percentages, no, right? Yeah. Well. Can I figure it? Let me see if I can edit you must be able to I'm sure there's a way to select it if the last night's had percentages oh, settings no I can't okay well I'm sorry what? No, I No, not to tell you whatever alright well thanks everyone thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this uh, wonderful review of Smackdown the Mixed Match Challenge all up to date on the news Uh, You can, of course, go to postwrestling.com. You can sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe, postwrestlingcafe.com. We've got our special discount going on at store.postwrestling.com. All patrons will get 20% off for the month and an even special uh, bonus, non-patrons get everything at 0% off for the entire month.
1: That's right. Yes.
0: What a wonderful. Yes, it is. So go check that out, store.postwrestling.com. And final thing to promote is our year-end voting that is currently ongoing. You can go to postwrestling.com. The beautiful button in the top corner is there. Click on it, and you can insert all your picks for the best of and worst of awards that we will be uh, reading the results of on those shows uh, coming out Friday, December 21st, and Friday, December 28th. Sounds good. Please vote, everybody. All right. That's it for us. Uh, Do tune in on Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. If you are uh, part of the cafe, double, double or above, we'll be live with the cafe hangout. So come check it out then. We are open to phone calls. Uh, Yes, that's it. Good night, everybody. We'll speak with you later.